0: Welcome to Sourcing Enterprise AI, a podcast by Upper Edge, a leading IT sourcing, negotiation, and project execution advisory firm. I'm John Belden, Chief Strategy and Research Officer.
1: And I'm Kylie Chisholm, Upper Edge's Content Marketing Manager. Join us every other week as we explore the impact of artificial intelligence and the critical issues IT decision makers and sourcing professionals will face.
0: The AI market is just in its infancy with new capabilities, new vendors, and a new competitive landscape and a boatload of risk. In each episode, we'll do a deep dive into a particular AI topic and explore the latest news releases and their potential impact on the market.
1: Empower your AI decision making with vendor insights and fact based sourcing strategies. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Hi, John. How are you today?
0: I'm terrific, Kylie.
1: It's good to hear. Uh, So I'm actually very excited about this episode. I'm excited to learn from you about this whole situation. Um, I'm sure our listeners have at least heard of OpenAI in the past couple of weeks because it seems like they've been all over the news uh, recently, especially in the... uh, technology and AI space. Uh, So for this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the open AI situation and specifically what CIOs, CPOs, IT leaders should be taking away from this whole debacle. So I'm very excited to hear your insights.
0: All right. Sounds good.
1: So to start, um, for those who don't know OpenAI or who have maybe just heard of OpenAI and Sam Altman this week and are sort of trying to piece together the puzzle of what's going on, uh, could you give us a brief overview of OpenAI and why we should know them?
0: Yeah. So let's start. I think you're you're right. People understand to a certain extent, they may not know OpenAI, but... Mm -hmm the large majority of our listeners, I'm sure, have heard how of Chat GPT or Chat GPT four, yeah. right? And so yeah. think about OpenAI as uh as the as the birther or the creator of ChatG, chat G chat chat GPT four. And you know, why is that important? I I, I did some sort of um background research on this, nine out of 10 Fortune 500 companies are actually using chat GPT-4 in some form, right? So, you know, <laughs> it's out there today in the marketplace. OpenAI started as, I'll call it a nonprofit organization with a, um, a, call it a governance structure that was largely there to explore AI, but to explore safe AI meaning generating AI applications that ultimately would be safe for uh, their users to use. Mm -hmm. As they went through time, they became, instead of a non-profit organization, they became a capped for-profit organization, which means that they were allowed to make money, right? But there was a cap associated with it. When they did that, they also restructured their company into a legal entity structure that had a board on top of a, I'll call it a secondary company, which was their for-profit company. That's part of Mm -hmm. what created the chaos that we're going to get into. The other thing that companies should know or our, our listeners should know is that Microsoft, was the largest stakeholder in OpenAI. They had poured almost $30 billion into this company, so they had a lot of stake It well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's super helpful. Um, and you started to allude to the chaos that has ensued. So could you give like a high-level overview of what exactly is happening with OpenAI Open AI and their CEO, Sam Altman?
0: Yeah, so this is a, this is, you know, it's a great question. And I don't know that anybody truly knows what the answer is to all of the behind the scenes. So what I'm going to try to do is to assemble a storyline that is representative of what's been published in the research or what's been published in in other periodicals to kind of create Mm -hmm. this this story. So the way that the story goes is one of the board members for OpenAI wrote a paper um, discussing the dangers of AI and praised one of OpenAI's competitors for their reserve in releasing new products to the marketplace that may be, I'll call it, dangerous. As a part of that paper, she also indicated that it might be best if the board destroyed OpenAI AI as a mechanism to prevent it from releasing, let's call it dangerous AI uh, applications. This created, to the best of our knowledge, right, a conflict between Sam and the board, where Sam was advocating, at least what the reports are, Sam was advocating the uh, expulsion of that board member. What it turned around into was the board then uh, taking action to remove Sam. That's what happened kind of right before that, uh, that, that I'll call it the black weekend. So Sam was <laughs> removed. That created all sorts of, I'll call it chaos um, within open AI where 90% of the employees signed a letter. And we say 90% of employees, just as a a note, there's only 700 employees at OpenAI, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they've got a huge valuation, there's only 700 employees. 30% or 90% of those employees basically said that they would quit unless the board resigned and Sam was hired back. During that chaos, there was two interim CEOs that were appointed, right? The board ultimately stepped down. A new board was put in place. The new board was put in place specifically with the task of finding another board. And Sam Altman was rehired back as the CEO. All of this took place within, let's call it a two-week time frame.
1: Yeah. If that's not a soap opera, I don't know what is. That sounds like yeah. straight out of a movie. <laughs> I,
0: I, and, I'm, and I'm not even sure you could make a movie on this because of, the, yeah. I'll call it a, of the chaos that actually ensued. But it, it'll be a good yeah. one. It'll be one that I watch when it does come out.
1: Um, So obviously, there's a lot to untangle in terms of the sort of spectacle that we're seeing at OpenAI and how quickly things have been turning around and changing. Um, But this show is obviously for CIOs, CPOs, IT leaders, and understanding what they need to do with this uh, information. So what are some of the biggest takeaways that they need to consider moving forward?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a, it's a great question. And you know, we we could spend time and we I think in the future we're gonna spend time kind of specifically on open AI and Microsoft as the companies. Yeah. Um, but you know, from my standpoint, there was four big takeaways I think that, that clients are gonna to need to be aware of. One is the volatility of the supply base itself, right? I mean, this is an yeah. example to everyone that a company that is the premier company of generative AI in the marketplace can go away in the snap of a finger, right? Yeah. The second thing that I think that it makes us all aware of is the risk and reward profile associated with generative AI. This whole mm-hmm. um, debacle was created because of the, I'll call it the attention or lack of attention associated with the risk profile of generative AI. Yeah. The third thing I think we need to be aware of is the actions of the board itself, right? And the attention that boards are going to take in the future associated with generative AI. You know, the best mm-hmm. example that I can say is why this is a concern. I mean, we've all been on the road before when there's yeah. a car accident on the road, right? And yeah. everybody slows down, right, to take a look at, at what happened with this car accident to say, I wonder what happened. How could I have prevented that? Well, the boards are going to do exactly the same thing. They're going to look at that scenario. They're going to slow themselves down, right? And they're going to start asking a lot of questions that are going to need to be answered. And so to me, Mm -hmm. that's another big takeaway is boards are going to have a new role in AI. And then the final thing I think that are big takeaways is to understand I'll call it the scarcity of AI talent, right? Mm -hmm. When those 600 people said that they were going to quit, you know, they were receiving job offers from the top people at, at salesforce.com at Microsoft, et cetera, right. Where they all went in and said, I want your people. If that's not evidence of the scarcity of AI, I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think those are four really great takeaways, um, and I'm excited to dive deeper into them. So let's back it up and start with the volatility of the supply base, that as you called it. If we haven't made it abundantly clear already, OpenAI is the leader in AI technology. They are the it girl, so to speak, in the market. Um, and they've developed some of the most advanced large language models and pioneered AI products like ChatGPT that have become household products, household names at this point. Uh, so just seeing how volatile this whole situation has been, I think should be, you know, making our listeners sort of scratch their heads and go, wait a second, I should be taking note of what this means. So can you speak a little bit more on what this whole spectacle says about the AI supply base and what sort of that volatility looks like?
0: Yeah, so, so you know, you touched upon it. I think you did a good job there kind of talking about it. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing is at least a shift um, and, I, and I believe this is going to be a temporary shift. Right. But mm-hmm. a, but a shift in you referred to them as the it suppliers or the it girls. Right. Yeah. So, you know, traditionally, um, large enterprises would look to companies like Microsoft, Google, um, and I'll put the services companies in there, Accenture, Deloitte. Right. When they're when they're thinking about their um, their technology platform. Now we've got a whole new series of companies that are out there within the marketplace that have this this volatility of being either a really small, right, which when we talk about the scarcity of talent, they could be wiped out immediately, or b being replaced by the newer it girl, right, that comes mm-hmm. along, uh, and suddenly they're no longer uh, the 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 market trend. So, what this means for I'll call it our clients is three things, right? One, as they're going to market, they're going to have to spend a lot more time on the the due diligence of each one of those suppliers in terms of uh, the viability of their enterprise going forward. Now doing that due diligence, I mean, any, anybody that was out there right now would have said open AI, that's going to be the premier company. They're not going to go away, right? Mm-hmm. Doing that due diligence, um, You know, for one, it may protect your company, but two, it also might protect your job, because if you can at least demonstrate that you did that due diligence, you know, you're not going to be one that's going to be left holding the bag when one of these companies Mm -hmm. ultimately goes under. So, you know, you're going to have to as a marketing or as a um, as a uh, purchasing professional, you're going to have to make sure that you up your game in that due diligence for CIOs. They're going to have to recognize that there is a lot of flexibility, or at least there is a lot of of volatility in the marketplace. And as they put their architectures together, they're going to need to be thinking through, you know, how might I in the future replace, you know, my open AI, or I'm sorry, how I might in the future, right, replace a large language model provider with another large language model provider and make sure that Mm -hmm. I don't create lock-in within my architecture, And probably the third thing is to understand that OpenAI and ChatGPT4 are foundations of other products that are out there, right? And so Mm -hmm. as you're thinking about the purchase of other products, right, understanding the underpinnings of those other products is also going to be at least critical to the evaluation going forward. So I think there's a lot to be said now because of that volatility in the procurement and the architectures of being able to create flexibility and being able Mm -hmm. to do your due diligence.
1: Yeah. And I think this, honestly, it flows really nicely into what you called the risk reward spread because now CIOs, CPOs, IT leaders are trying to navigate a riskier market. Uh, So could you talk a little bit about how this uh, the situation with open AI has sort of affected how it suppliers are now approaching the market with their products
0: yeah it's a it's a great question Kylie you know in previous episodes we've talked a little bit about the risks mm-hmm. associated with um, uh, with gen- generative AI and historically there's a there's a term out there that's called safe AI and practicing mm-hmm. safe AI right? Historically, what we've seen is companies like OpenAI, um, with their boards and their charters, protecting right the market or protecting enterprises by saying we're not going to release products that we don't have confidence in, right? Sure. And we've seen, uh, mm-hmm. as an example. Um, uh, we talked about recently. Uh, IBM saying with their Granite uh, LLMs of saying we're going to take the risk associated with that, right? Yeah. With what we've seen at OpenAI, right, is I'll call it risk off from some of these companies right now that are providing the AI services to say mm-hmm. we're not yeah. going to necessarily put the same governors in place mm-hmm. that were there, let's call it six months or a year ago. Um, you know, a good example of that is, um, is Meta, right? Meta, Meta effectively dissolved yeah. their safe AI team and said, we're not going to have that in place anymore, right? So they're taking risk off. They're doing that to be able to go more quickly to market, right? In order to be able to take advantage of that opportunity that exists. Mm-hmm. What our clients need to to be aware of is that these companies are now coming to market kind of in risk off mode and that they're going to have to protect themselves Mm -hmm. uh, to a certain extent. I say they're going to have to protect themselves. I think that's Mm going to be for a short period of time. Let's call it two years or so. And the reason (laughs) that I say that is I think ultimately the government is going to step in with regulatory uh, requirements associated with these products that is going to create a hurdle for them to actually go to the marketplace. They're not going to do it themselves. They're going to wait for the government. But in the short term, companies are going to have to be responsible for taking care of that on their own.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious because I think you make a great point that the companies aren't going to do that on their own. The government's going to have to step in and create those hurdles. And I feel like I've seen a lot on um, just the ethics and trustworthiness of AI and AI products. So I'm curious how you think, uh, this sort of change in how the IT or excuse me, the AI suppliers are going to market, how that affects the general population and namely CIOs and CPOs, how they perceive and trust companies that are creating AI products.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the the, the right way to, to think about it is um, trust but verify Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what, you know, so so kind of what that means is you, you're always going to be pressed to go fast, mm-hmm. but you have to fundamentally understand the risks associated with AI. Yeah. Um, and I think we'd like I said, we did a, a previous episode on the risks associated with AI, but those those risks, I'm going to say fall underneath three broad categories. There's a risk associated with the implementation of AI itself. Uh, there's a lot of projects that can go off the rails just with the the risks associated with the program on implementation. There's yeah. another category of risks that I'm going to refer to as the risks of utilization. So and when I'm using these AI products, they can produce bad results. And if they produce bad results... That's going to create problems for the organization. Yeah. And then the third category of risk for AI is not using AI. What if I don't apply AI and my clients and my competitors do, or, right, what about the rest of, and, you know, I'll call it the, the the risk associated with AI outside of my enterprise that could affect my enterprise? Mm-hmm. So if I've got a supply base or I've got a supplier uh, that's sending me products, and that supplier starts to use AI in an inappropriate way, might my own, I'll call it, supply chain dry up as a result of the inappropriate, I'll call it, application of AI outside of my control. So -hmm. there's a lot of risk associated with this this area. The risk that we're referring to right now with risk on goes underneath that center area, that center tower of, you know, when I'm using AI and it produces bad results, what are the implications for me, right? That's the area where I'm going to say risk off on the supply base right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely interested to see how this sort of evolves over the next couple of years, to your point. Um, We'll be keeping a close eye on that as well. Um, But I do want to move into the sort of boardroom awareness and factor of this, because obviously OpenAI's board plays a huge role in the story going on there. Um, right. And we could we could get into the dysfunction of OpenAI's board and what the future of their new board looks like, but we'll save that for another episode. For now, I was hoping that um, you could talk a little bit about the fact that what is clear is OpenAI's board and everything that happened will influence sort of boardroom behaviors, for lack of a better term, from here on out. So what do you think that will look like moving forward?
0: Yeah. Uh, So a couple of things. Number one, I think every enterprise out there is if their board wasn't aware of AI, uh, you know, before, they're absolutely aware of it now, uh, primarily because of the attention that the boards have been getting from OpenAI. So I'm sure all boards had at least talked about um, you know, AI and had discussions about AI. Now they can, they're they going to see that they have a, have a role in AI, right, mm-hmm. in terms of this. Uh, and I think they're also going to be very, very leery based upon the supply base of AI and what could happen. So one of the things that I expect to come out of this is every single board is going to start asking questions about what are we doing with AI, right? Mm-hmm. If, 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 it, if they weren't asking it before, it's going to, up the amplitude of that. Sure. The second thing that you, that is going to happen is when you look at this story um, about open AI, one of the things that the board said for their reasoning for firing um, Sam was they said that Sam wasn't being truthful and honest Right. Associated with what was going on within the company itself. Yeah. Right. So I think one of the things that's going to happen is all of the boards are going to become more hyper aware of are they actually getting good quality information that's coming from, I'll call it their organization, into the boardroom. And so there's going to be increased attention on, you know, how can I trust the information that's actually being provided to me? So I think there's going to be uh, more attention paid on, I'll call it the trustworthiness of the information. And CIOs yeah. are going to have to be aware, right, that they're probably going to get probed even deeper on mm-hmm. what's going on with AI just because of, I'll call it, this trustworthiness area. And the third thing that I think is going to happen is going back to this, this I'll call it this um, the safe AI and the risk and reward. Mm-hmm. I believe the boards are going to become much more aware of regulatory compliance and yeah. oversight rules, right, that are going to be required. And so they're going to be asking a lot of questions associated with regulatory compliance and oversight, and are they meeting those hurdles, right? So, you know, I would expect CPOs and CIOs to become a lot more aware of mm-hmm. those, I'll call it uh, regulatory compliance requirements, because their boards are ultimately going to be asking as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of gets into, you know, how these boardroom behaviors then trickle down to the CIOs and the IT leaders. Like it's all entangled together. One's going to affect the other. So they both have to be sort of hyper aware of what's going on and do their due diligence. So now moving into the last uh, sort of deep dive that we wanted to take, the scarcity of AI talent. So I found it so interesting that before it was announced that Altman was returning to OpenAI, uh, Microsoft was ready to create an entire division for him at Microsoft with hundreds of people to staff that division. Um, And I think we even talked about, you know, some like 90 something percent of OpenAI employees were ready to hit the road when Altman left. So clearly Altman has a lot of value in the AI market. And I think, um, again, we'll have our Microsoft expert on to sort of get into the weeds of that situation specific to OpenAI and Microsoft. But it definitely gets at this broader issue of scarcity in AI talent in the market. So, can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing a big shift of talent go into this AI mm-hmm. space, right? The um, You know, you, you see um, Accenture, as an example, saying we're going to train 40,000 more people on on mm-hmm. AI. Uh, and, you know, with all of the money that's being poured by the venture capitalists into these, I'll call it these small organizations, they're grabbing the talent out of the big organizations as well. So, you know, where are the co- where's the talent coming yeah. from? Right. To. Uh, to launch a brand new company like this, right? It's coming from, I'll call it bigger organizations and the top talent at bigger organizations, Mm -hmm. right? That are trying to say, this is my opportunity, right? To to get rich is to going into these smaller organizations. So we're seeing a talent drain that's coming out of the larger organizations into the smaller organizations. Mm -hmm. So now what does this mean? Like say for our regular clients, there's a few things I, I would put out there. Number one, they need to be aware of bait and switch mm-hmm. because there is going to be a, a propensity of showing you some talent as part of a, part of a pitch and then pulling that talent away mm-hmm. for, I'll call it the actual implementation. So I think you need to be hyper aware of the bait and switch taking place. Second thing that I would be doing is I would be thinking about how can I contractually protect myself mm-hmm. From the risk of loss of talent, you know, even though you may get assigned the talent that you expected to get assigned on a project doesn't necessarily mean that that talent is not in the Mm -hmm. future going to leave that organization. Right. So what is it that I need to do right from a contractual point of view? to put the risk on retaining that talent Mm -hmm. on the supplier and not the risk on myself. And you can do that uh, in some ways from a contract standpoint, you can't prevent that person from leaving, but you certainly can, I'll call it mitigate the risk on contractual terms. And then the third thing I would say is you need to consider this risk, not just in the space of AI, but across all of your IT um, areas because the people that are, are, leaving jobs, right, to go into this AI space are probably and may not be AI experts today, yeah. but they see that goldmine for the future and they're going to be the high performers, right? It's going to be the the top talent that maybe I know, uh, maybe I know Oracle uh, ERP systems like the back of my hand, but I see the future in AI. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I'm going to say I may pursue that, as my new career, Mm -hmm. leaving, you know, my Oracle client kind of high and dry right now, even though he wasn't an AI expert, that potential of loss still exists. So you still got, I would say those three things, bait and switch, contractual protections, and then making sure you're considering that across all your
1: platforms. Sure. And as I was thinking about this, I use the term remedy, but now I'm thinking that's not necessarily the right term, but this sort of, uh, talent drain that we're seeing, how is that going to evolve moving forward? Are we going to see a wider spread expertise in AI technology?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I think, you know, eventually, eventually the talent, the talent vacuum will be filled. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it they always ultimately get sure. filled. Um, and this is an interesting space because it's it's actually probably going to get filled by AI technologies itself. Okay? Yeah. So one of the one of the big uses of, of use cases of AI is in code generation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're talking about, or at least we're seeing, is hey, there's going to be a thirty to fifty percent uh, increase in efficiency in the actual generation of code so when you start to think about the when you start to think about the application of ai into the space of of technology right it's actually going to reduce the ultimately reduce the overall demand yeah. for that type of uh, that type of technical talent so i see that we're probably in a a two year bubble mm-hmm. where there's going to be really really high demand and then it's going to evaporate
1: yeah. Yeah, leaving the the listeners with a very provocative statement with all of that. Um, well, awesome! Thank you so much, John, for diving deep into that. Um, could you give like a quick high level summary of sort of the recommendations that we have for enterprises for CIOs and CPOs, um, just so that they have sort of the nugget to walk away with as they're finishing up this episode.
0: Yeah, so let's let's give the let's let's create the five to do. Okay. Sheet right? The five, the five, uh, for the five item to do sheet, right? Uh, So my five item to do sheet is number one, right? On your supplier evaluation process, you're going to have to up your game on, I'll call it uh, enterprise uh, viability. Second thing that you're going to need to do is you're going to make sure you're going to need to make sure that you're fully understanding the risk profile associated with AI itself so that you could communicate that to Mm -hmm. boards, right? And take, I'll call it, take actions to mitigate those risks. Um, Number three, they need to stay on top of regulatory developments. Mm -hmm. Uh, The board's gonna be asking about it. It's going to be something that ultimately are are gonna be benefits to all of the clients out there if they stay on top of it. Um, Fourth, they're gonna need to make sure that they're aware of these talent, I'll call it this talent vacuum, and take advantage of, I'll call it contractual terms that can be used uh, in order to be able to mitigate that risk. And then I think the last thing that they probably need to work on is and I don't have one. <laughs> How's that? So it's
1: the four item <laughs> so, to-do list. <laughs>
0: so so let's so 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 let's give our so let's let's focus on the four yeah, things yeah. Right, that, we, that we believe that our clients need to uh, to pay attention yeah, to. Yeah.
1: Hey, I'm sure our listeners are like, that's one less thing that we have to check off on our list. So we'll take <laughs> it. Um, well, thank you, John, so much. I know I found this episode to be really insightful and really helpful as I've been trying to navigate everything that's going on. Um, and I'm excited for future episodes where we dive even deeper into the specific vendors involved in this whole situation. Um, But yeah, and hopefully our listeners found the episode just as helpful as I did.
0: All right. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Sourcing Enterprise AI is co-hosted by John Belden and Kylie Chisholm and produced by Mike Brown. The podcast is brought to you by Upper Edge, a leading IT sourcing, negotiation, and project execution advisory firm. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss a new episode. For more innovative IT sourcing and risk mitigation insights, subscribe to the Upper Edge newsletter and follow Upper Edge on social media at the links in our episode description. Thank you for listening.